It's midday on the Rural Radio Network at all across the Midwest. It is midday as well. That means we fill in a whole bunch of information here in these minutes during which you'll be taking your lunch and listening in on what your markets are doing, what's causing it to happen, and all of the news that surrounds that. Here we come with the Monday edition, and uh, I am so excited because this week uh, we get to play Where's Susan? <laughs> now, we're not going to spill the beans, Susan, about where you're going to be, but uh, right. we are all excited that the fact that we get to play our game. I know. We've been talking about it for a while, so it actually gets to come to, you know, to fruition today, or, well, tomorrow and later this week. All right. Well, we'll look forward to it. Uh, about a lead today, I guess we had a, with, uh, everyone knew where Greg Eyeball was because they closed in on him today and watched him uh, get sworn in, huh? You bet. You know, it's a pretty exciting day for Nebraska agriculture and even more exciting for Greg Ibaugh and his, his family as he was sworn in as the new Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs. So I was joking with him when I spoke to him on Friday that I get to address him now as Mr. Undersecretary instead of just Greg. Uh, that's right. So <laughs> some exciting things to happen, and of course that means that we are going to be working on finding out who the new Director of Agriculture will be for the state of Nebraska as well. So, well, if, if I know Mr. Ibaugh, he's still going to want you to refer to him as Greg. Oh, I'm sure he'll let me still <laughs> refer to him as Greg. And that's going to take place, by the way, at 1245 and at 117. We'll be doing uh, kind of an in-depth as to what happened early this morning in Omaha at the Omaha Stockyard Grounds. Then coming up at 1219, um, it's hard to believe October is pretty much done, and we are going to be talking with Jane Stone as Chad Moyer talks to her about Pork Month as it wraps up. Okay. So that's kind of the things happening right now in the Ag Department. Very good. Thank you very much, Susan. Stand by. We've got Jason Jorgensen, and, uh, well, we still keep closing in on that best of seven. We do, and people are saying this is one of the best World Series they've seen in a while, and it's been compelling television. Last night, a compelling win for the Astros, who were down three times. It just kept coming back. Also, seven more home runs in last night's game. There's been some com- conspiracy theory- theories on the baseball, and the pitchers have complained a little bit that it's too slick and they can't throw sliders. But uh, Houston leads it 3-2 to two at this point. So they get into they showed, everything, don't they? They showed a picture. I mean, if you look at the difference in the baseballs, I, I can see where they're coming from, but right. who knows. Yeah. Also, we'll talk some Husker sports. Husker football team with that nice come-from-behind victory over uh, Purdue. Husker Volleyball continues to roll on. And in other Major League Baseball news, the Nationals have announced their new manager. Right. I'll tell you who that is. Those Huskers really needed that game. It was good to see that come back. They did, and from what I viewed on Facebook at the time they were behind, a lot of people had given up on them, but uh-huh. they found a way in the final 12 minutes to get the victory they needed. Right. This goes to show, you don't ever pick against the Huskers. Don't ever make them a six-and-a-half-point underdog at Purdue. <laughs> well, not under those circumstances, no. They, they they get a kind of a B under their bonnet and don't want to be. They don't want that label. But a win's a win, so yeah. you'll take it. Very good. Bob Brogan on business. Stocks are lower as drug makers fall. They are down, and also banks are slipping along with interest rates today. One of the nation's largest railroads says it's going to have to replace millions of defective wooden railroad ties under its tracks. Norfolk Southern Railway and uh, Union Pacific's been doing that for several years, so that could be a little bit of an expense for Norfolk Southern. That's some of the things we're watching. All right, and all this and more is coming your way today on Midday. 
Time for some ag weather, and we bring Paul Perkins into the picture, and brought to you by Coolman Repair. Are you feeling a little wind whip right now? Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, I would say, what, what, what's the record here out of the yeah. last how many days? Eight out of the last 11 days, if you include today, we're looking at wind gusts to at least 40 miles per hour. Wow. <laughs> so nearly that. 80% of the days over the last few days have been lots of wind. A lot know? of that's been northwest wind, too, <laughs> and so you can't make up your mind whether to go north or south, east or west. It blows you around the road just the same. Exactly. And, of course, it's been those lots of these strong winds have been that unpleasant type of wind, a cold wind. Uh, looking at another windy day today, kind of sounds like a broken record in our weather, but it is a different one here. A windy day today, stuck between high pressure over Montana and low pressure over the Great Lakes, something we saw last week. And once again, our eighth day today out of the last 11 with wind gusts to at least 40. Winds do die down tonight, though, as that area of high pressure over Montana moves overhead. Widespread lows in the teens expected with some clear skies. We will see low pressure over southeast Colorado. Start to draw some moisture into Kansas tomorrow. Going to see some small chances for rain and snow, mainly over Kansas and extreme southern Nebraska. Our clog cover tomorrow keeping the temperatures on the unseasonably cool side with those breezy south winds and also staying on the unseasonably cool side. And not much more movement in the temperatures for today across Nebraska and Kansas thanks to that cold northwesterly flow. We are seeing some peaks of sunshine over west and west central Nebraska. And especially if you're right along I-80 south to right along I-70 in Kansas, so southern Nebraska, northern Kansas, looking at some nice uh, sunny skies in some respect with some partly cloudy skies elsewhere, more of the clouds over northeastern, north central Nebraska, and also over the southern two-thirds of Kansas right now. Low pressure tomorrow bringing in those chances of moisture. And also, once again, the cloud cover keeping the temperatures on the cool side. We will warm up nicely for Wednesday with some seasonably warm temperatures thanks to a warm front tracking east across the region. Our temperatures cool back more to seasonal levels for Thursday and Friday with yet another cold front moving through the region. Some rain or snow is possible with this system, but in far northern Nebraska on Thursday. Then over the weekend, things looking pretty good, mainly dry and warm for the weekend, thanks to a ridge of high pressure expanding to the east, kind of like what we saw last week, cold during the week and then nice on the weekend. In the long term, temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas are forecast to be mostly seasonal this weekend through November 12th. We'll be sandwiched in between some warmer than normal air to the south and cooler than normal air to our northwest. Our precipitation forecast in Nebraska and Kansas now trending below normal precipitation this weekend through the 12th. Our weather factors driving the markets include a mainly dry pattern in the western Midwest, warmer weather for the central and southern plains, and some improving conditions in Brazil. Cold conditions will linger in much of the central and eastern U.S., but the warmer weather will arrive by midweek. But another push of cold air reaching the northern plains and upper Midwest by Thursday. That cold surge will not make much progress to the east and persist across the northern plains and then start spilling into the far west by the end of the week. And that could bring us a significant snow event starting about the midweek time period in the northern Rockies. And since it's going to be in the northern Rockies, it's something we won't have to worry about here. Cool and unsettled weather in the Midwest will continue to slow harvest progress this week. Warmer weather will help to dry out the soils in the extended periods, but right now that's not looking as a certainty. The western Midwest will have a better chance of harvest progress this week. 
with some warmer and drier conditions. The eastern Midwest looking at more precipitation chances, especially on Wednesday and Thursday. Our conditions in the southern plains will be favorable for planting and developing winter wheat this week. A drying trend bears some watching as we head into the winter dormancy period, though. An improving rainfall pattern in central Brazil this week for planting and developing soybeans after several weeks of hot, dry weather. A dry forecast in a place for southern Brazil this week. That will be welcome news for them planting after heavy thunderstorms that they had this last weekend. Ag weather brought to you by Coolman Repair. And Paul, I need to ask as far as that precipitation is concerned, is that going to stymie any of the uh, harvest that's going on right now? It shouldn't too much. You know, it's going to be very, very light and it'll probably dry out very quickly over the next few days. And right now, just looking at some small chances and mainly over Kansas and extreme southern Nebraska, and it's small chances, so probably not looking at much in the way of the accumulations, anyhow. Cultural Director Greg Iba was sworn in this morning. And Shaley Peters with a quick check of your midday ag news. U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue traveled to Omaha this morning to swear in Greg Iba as Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs. This comes directly after Iba was unanimously confirmed to his post to the USDA by the U.S. Senate. This past Thursday, October 26th, we've got audio and video from that conference this morning available at RuralRadio.com. And this week, the U.S. Meat Export Federation will hold its strategic planning conference in Tucson, Arizona. The conference agenda is available online at the USMEF Exporter Committee meeting set for Thursday morning. Market access issues and the future of key free trade agreements will be a major topic of discussion. Thad Lively, USMEF Senior Vice President for Trade Access, previews several of these issues. This is turning out to be a really good year for beef and pork exports, so I think the mood of USMES members going into this meeting will be generally positive, but no question about it. There's going to be a lot of talk that relates directly back to the Trump administration's trade agenda. We have visitors coming from USDA to speak to the Exporter Committee, and I'm sure our members are going to want to know where we're headed on trade. We've heard a lot of talk from the president about the possibility of pulling out of the NAFTA. I think that's made a lot of people nervous, and people want to kind of understand, is this something that's going to happen, and how can we plan for that? Is, is there a way we can get our message across to the administration better that this would be really damaging to our interests? So that'll be, I'm sure, at the top of a lot of people's minds. Of course, President Trump pulled us out of the TPP shortly after taking office. We're continuing to press for some alternative to that. We see our position in the Japanese market in particular falling behind as a result of negotiations that Japan has had with our leading competitors there, Australia and the EU. Without the TPP, what are we going to do to get back to parity with our principal competitors in Japan? And we will have some coverage of USMEF's strategic planning conference later this week. And in other ag news, the 2017-18 National FFA Officer Team has been elected coming off of last week's National FFA Convention. The students are from Arizona, California, Georgia, Iowa, Kentucky, and Oklahoma, and they've been elected by delegates throughout the United States to serve on the 2017-18 National Officer Team. Each year at the National FFA Convention and Expo, six students are elected by delegates to represent the organization 
As national officers, delegates elected president, secretary, vice presidents representing the central, southern, eastern, and western regions of the country. For a full list of those students and a little bit of information on them, you can visit ruralradio.com. The National Association of Wheat Growers is officially announcing the resignation of former NAWG president and Sharon Springs, Kansas farmer David Shem. David has resigned his position to pursue other professional opportunities in his home state of Kansas. NAWG CEO Chandler Gould made the following statement. During his time as president of NAWG, David helped move the wheat industry forward, grew its presence on Capitol Hill, and improved its relationship with the media and other farm organizations. As president, Shem wanted to ensure voices from all wheat farmers were heard. NAWG's past president and Montana farmer Gordon Stoner has been chosen to assume duties and role of the president until the next officer election at the 2018 Commodity Classic. That's a quick check of your midday ag news. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Today we're visiting with Jane Stone, Director of Domestic Marketing with the Nebraska Pork Producers Association. And we're going to recap October Pork Month. We've just got a few days left in October, but it has been a very busy and I would say a very successful October Pork Month, hasn't it, Jane? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we've, been, we've been running around doing all kinds of fun things for, for Pork Month. Well, let's talk about... But- well, let's talk, uh, first of all, by utilizing that pork trailer that the National Pork Board has. That made a couple of stops in the state this month, didn't it? Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, we went in several places. Last year, Nebraska was the biggest utilizer of that trailer um, from the National Pork Board, um, and we decided we were going to use it a lot again this year because it was so successful. Um, we were in Lincoln out on East Campus. Uh, we were in Stewart, Nebraska. We were in Lincoln out at a, at a grocery store with other, you know, ag commodity groups. So, yeah, we definitely got around with the pork trailers this month. Well, let's specifically highlight that one stop in, in Lincoln. It was a Farmers and Ranchers tailgate. Tell me how that worked and, and the reaction to that. Well, the weather didn't really cooperate, but we did have the pork trailer there, and um, we served 1,600 slices of bacon. We teamed up with other ag commodity groups in the state to do a farm and ranchers tailgate. Um, we ended up having to move it inside, but it was still very, very successful. It was a great time. Um, Governor Ricketts was there, and he signed a uh, pork month proclamation for the state of Nebraska for October. So. Um, it was a great event, and we will probably do that again next year, Chad. And then you mentioned the stop in Stewart. That was pretty unique in and of itself, wasn't it? It was. Um, you know, the Kaup family from Stewart um, won the Leopold Conservation Award this year. And so we just wanted to, you know, give them some publicity and draw some attention to them and all the things that they have accomplished. So we took the pork trailer up there on, on a really beautiful day and just kind of did a pop-up restaurant up right on Main Street in Stewart and served pork tenderloin sliders um, probably to about 200 people. So we were really pleased with how that turned out, and it was a super fun day. Speaking of uh, pop-up eating opportunities, uh, Re- President Russ Veering had uh, teased us about some pop-up breakfasts that were going to take place this month. Did those, in fact, happen? They did. We had uh, several board members that took advantage of that kind of a pay-it-forward situation where they contacted a local establishment and said, hey, um, on one day this month, we want to just, you know, for a couple hours, we want to buy breakfast for people, compliments of Nebraska's pork industry. So 
Um, and like we discussed earlier, I think right there in West Point, um, it was the Red Door. So, yes, um, we probably had about two-thirds of our board members take advantage of that program. And it was just a, a nice way to say thanks to the local communities and, and support the pork industry a little bit. Also, we want to highlight some work that you continue to work with chefs all across the state. And uh, there were chef spotlights that took place this month, Jane. Yes, there was. On our social media, we chose to highlight a different restaurant and chef um, each week. Uh, the first was Skeeter Barnes. Um, they have several locations. I'll also have a great catering service. And then Billy's Restaurant in Lincoln. Um, also, Glenn Wheeler at Spencer's for Steaks and Chops in Omaha. And then, um, finally, Brandon Harpster with the Single Barrel in Lincoln. All right, very good. So all in all, as you look at what October Pork Month was this year, uh, what's your reaction to the promotion and the recognition that did happen? Um, I think we covered just about all our bases. Um, I'm not sure we had energy to do much more, but uh, all in all, I think we got great coverage, and we had a really good time when we were doing it. So I think that's what's important. Very good. Well, thank you so much for the summary. Appreciate it very much, Jane. Thanks, Chad. Again, that's Jane Stone, Director of Domestic Marketing with the Nebraska Pork Producers Association. Again, uh, putting a, a bow on October Pork Month. I'm Chad Moyer reporting. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, it's a travel day in a World Series that's seen yet another dramatic seesaw battle going to extra innings. Game six is set for tomorrow night after the teams travel from Texas back to the West Coast. Justin Verlander will try to clinch the Astros' first championship, while Rich Hill hopes to save the Dodgers' season after they lost last night 13-12 to in 10 innings. The Dodgers' hurler Clayton Kershaw, meanwhile, has set the kind of postseason record he won't be proud of. He's allowed eight home runs in the playoffs and World Series this year. Well, two arch-rivals collide in Monday Night Football as the Chiefs host Denver. The Broncos are looking to rediscover their offense after playing badly the last two times out against New York and Los Angeles. Well, the Huskers edged Purdue on Saturday night despite rushing for just 40 yards. And head coach Mike Riley was asked about that today at his weekly press conference. Yeah, we've had a long talk last night and this morning about the running game and what we're going to try to do and what's the best way to attack this. They've been really good uh, run defense, so I think being selective... Uh, and probably having uh, a run or two that is repeatable. Uh, I don't think it's wise to have a whole bunch of stuff you try to execute against this defense. This week, the Huskers host Northwestern, who's coming off a back-to-back overtime victories against Iowa and Michigan State. Also, it was announced today that Nebraska's November 11th football game at Minnesota will be televised by SF1, and kickoff time is set for 11. Backed by 189 combined return yards, it was featured by a 99-yard kickoff return in the Wildcats 30-21 at KU. Kansas State junior D.J. Reed has been named the Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week. It was Reed's second weekly conference accolade this season, the first being after the Central Arkansas game. Also marked the fourth straight season, a Wildcat earned Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week honors multiple times in a year. Well, Dave Martinez has been hired as a new manager of the Washington Nationals. The team made the announcement today. Uh, he's been the bench coach for Joe Madden with the Chicago Cubs the past three seasons and with the Tampa Bay Rays for seven years before that. The 53-year-old Martinez replaces Dusty Baker, who was let go by the Nationals at the end of his two-year contract despite winning NL East titles in both seasons. And former Major League outfielder Gabe Kapler will be hired to manage the Philadelphia Phillies. Kapler has served as Director of Player Development for the L.A. Dodgers since 2014. 
And the road to the NSAA State High School Volleyball Tournament in Lincoln begins today across the state of Nebraska as sub-district action gets underway. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Mostly clear skies across Nebraska tonight with lows in the teens. I'm Dave Schroeder. The check of news, a North Loop, Nebraska woman accused of killing her four-week-old baby has taken a plea deal. 26-year-old Jocelyn Norton is scheduled to be sentenced on December 19th for the deaths of her daughter in May last year. Norton pleaded no contest in Valley County District Court to child abuse. In return for the plea, prosecutors dropped a related charge and agreed to join her attorneys in recommending a sentence of 60 to 70 years. The agreement is not binding on the judge, however. Prosecutors say Norton called 911 on May of last year and reported that her baby wasn't breathing. The baby eventually was flown to an Omaha hospital where she died seven days later. Authorities say the baby had been dropped on her head twice and violently shaken. The Nebraska Economic Forecasting Advisory Board revised its forecast of state tax collections downward on Friday by $217 million. That means lawmakers and Governor Pete Ricketts will continue to face budget problems in the 2018 legislative session. Ricketts says more will be done to find efficiencies. Well, the legislature and I have successfully worked together to control our spending and to live within our budget, and so we will be doing the same thing with regard to the new revised forecast as well. Using the new revenue estimate, lawmakers will face a projected shortfall of roughly $195 million in the current two-year budget cycle. State officials say the numbers could change dramatically, especially if President Donald Trump and Congress pass a major tax overhaul. Kansas lawmakers are expected to form a committee to begin work on a response to a Kansas Supreme Court order directing them to boost spending on public schools. The Kansas legislature's top seven leaders were meeting this afternoon to discuss setting up such a committee. The Supreme Court ruled earlier this month that legislators did not increase spending on the state's public schools enough this year. The court hinted that spending is hundreds of millions of dollars short a year of providing a suitable education for every child, but did not set a spending target. A law enacted in June phased in a $293 million increase in funding over two years to make it $4.3 billion annually. The court said a new law must be enacted before June of next year. Breaking stories, weather, and traffic when you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I and state your name. I, Greg Ibaugh. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend. That I will support and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies. Against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. Foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith. That I will bear true faith. And allegiance to the same. And allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation. Without any mental reservation. Or purpose of evasion. Or purpose of evasion. And that I will. And that I will. And faithfully discharge the duties. And faithfully discharge the duties. Of the office on which I am about to enter. 
of the office of which I am about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations, Undersecretary Greg Ibar. That was U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue as he swore in Greg Ibai as Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs in Omaha, Nebraska this morning. Good afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskett. Well, following the swear-in ceremony, I had the opportunity to sit down with a longtime Nebraska Department of Agriculture leader and now Undersecretary, where we began our conversation discussing what he will be doing in Washington, D.C. So I'm excited uh, to have been sworn in this morning as the Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs and looking forward to uh, getting on board first thing tomorrow morning. You actually take off later today, is that correct, and get to work at 8 a.m.? That's correct. We're going to leave here later this afternoon, get to D.C., and be ready to uh, be there first thing in the morning to get right to work. You've been the longest-serving director of agriculture in Nebraska's history. Talk about the things that you're most proud of that you achieved while at the Department of Agriculture in Nebraska. Well, a lot of what we've been able to accomplish at the Department of Agriculture has been dependent on the team that I've had around me. And so uh, the priorities that we've implemented have been a direct correlation to things that, uh, you know, I prioritize, but also their strengths. So, you know, some of the things we've done with Livestock Friendly and trying to grow Nebraska agriculture, the things we've done to brand Nebraska as a provider of high-quality commodities and finished goods, um, especially our beef, has been a product of the efforts of the staff as well. And then also just uh, to be able to maintain maintain a high level of fair and equal representation for farmers and ranchers that need some regulatory help as well. What has been maybe one of your most proud projects that that you were able to do in your time there at uh, the Department of Agriculture? I think maybe if I look back on my most memorable event or uh, I don't know if achievement's the right word, but when the Japan market opened at Christmas time or right before Christmas in 2005, uh, we were able to be there. We had the first uh, beef served in uh, Tokyo uh, that year. We car- actually carried on to the plane two boxes of beef that we delivered to the restaurant in Tokyo where we held the event. Was there anything about the previous administration's work? I'm sure you worked with them uh, on a weekly or daily basis in the in the role that you'll next serve as that you want to do differently. Well, I think that uh, you know I'm very familiar with the uh, the role and the missionary of uh, marketing and regulatory programs, uh, and it's very similar to some of my experiences and the roles I played here in Nebraska, plant and animal health, uh, working to, with uh, to negotiate and work between uh, packers and and farmers and then also in some of the promotional programs that we've done here in Nebraska relied on uh, the Ag Marketing Services uh, uh, program so very familiar excited to get in learn more about things and excited to you know move to the next level we promoted Nebraska agriculture now we're going to promote US agriculture uh, Secretary Purdue said that he went to the heartland to find people with a heart for agriculture, and you from Sumner, Nebraska, you know, obviously you spent the last few years in Lincoln, but now headed to Washington, D.C. How's that feel to be someone, a farmer from Sumner, Nebraska, and now headed to D.C. to represent farmers all across Nebraska and the United States? Well, I'm very proud of the fact that uh, my children represent the fifth and sixth generations of our family farm to uh, be uh, in agriculture in our community in Sumner. And uh, also, uh, 
you know, Sumner has played a very crucial role even while I've been director of agriculture going back there. Uh, it was always able to be grounded again and remember that, you know, it's friends and neighbors and family that I'm working for that we need to make a difference and and uh, and improve their their lives and well-being if at all possible. That's that's my job. And so that's going to be the same thing still. Hope to get back to Sumner once in a while for them to remind me that uh, you know, this is this is where Greg comes from and this is what Greg represents. As you do leave Nebraska, your position is now coming open. Have you been part of that process of governor, as Governor Ricketts looks for your replacement or did you have advice for who to look for in, in that kind of uh, capacity? Well, Governor Ricketts has uh, been very kind and very deferential to this process and, and uh, he really uh, is uh, starting uh, the, his process to find a successor today. And uh, I know that uh, there's lots of great people in Nebraska that will step in and have their own vision and priorities for the department, and they'll do great things for Nebraska agriculture as well. That was USDA Undersecretary Greg Ibaz. He discussed the swear-in ceremony happening this morning again in Omaha, Nebraska. For full audio and video coverage of today's event, you can go to ruralradio.com. Reporting, I'm Bryce Duskett. The livestock futures trade, particularly the cattle, jolted today by news of the much higher cash cattle prices paid last Friday. Let's talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, pretty big surprise for uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, we traded up as high as 119 and a half, uh, on the cattle, and uh, certainly a sharp increase over uh, the previous week. And, then we uh, come in on the Monday and uh, we get the sharp increase on the futures. Uh, so uh, it really uh, <laughs> kind of a uh, big surprise, I guess. Uh, it appears that the uh, Packers caught a little short bought and uh, really uh, had to come out and buy some cattle. So uh, follow through uh, today. Uh, we had. Uh, the nearby October, which expires tomorrow, up uh, 420. The rest with uh, through uh, February triple-digit gains. Feeders uh, following suit with triple-digit gains right through uh, all the contracts. Uh, so pretty uh, pretty strong day. Cutouts were higher again at noon on the choice. Little uh, uh, little trade, but uh, still higher. So. Uh, what a start for the for uh, the end of the uh, month. Uh, over in the uh, hogs, kind of uh, following suit to an extent. Cash a little bit higher, cutouts higher. So uh, we saw a little bit of strength, and I think helped supported by uh, the higher cattle prices. So a positive day at the Perkins deal to uh, start this week. You have more questions of Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Call eight hundred three two eight zero one three four. Total cattle slaughtered today is estimated at 116,000, hogs 443,000. Let's get back with you on the Rural Radio Network. Well, the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, is in Omaha this morning to officially swear in Greg Iba as USDA Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs. And, of course, many dignitaries were on hand, including Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts. Following the event, I caught up with Nebraska's governor to discuss who might be replacing Iba as the next Director of Agriculture for Nebraska. But first, I asked the governor to reflect on what Greg has done for Nebraska as he has served as Nebraska's agriculture leader. 
Yeah, Greg has been uh, the uh, director of agriculture since 2005, which means he's seen three governors and has just done a wonderful job. Just in the you know little over two and a half years that we've worked together, Greg has gone to a number of countries with me on trade missions. We've worked very hard to open up markets like China uh, to our beef. He signed trade deals with uh, countries like Taiwan. He's also uh, been able to work on developing our internal environment here in Nebraska. He's uh, signed up 43 counties to be livestock friendly. He's helped put in place our livestock siting matrix so that counties can adopt that to really help with livestock development. Uh, he's worked as a great team member with the Department of Transportation, Department of Environmental Quality, Department of Economic Development on projects like getting Costco to site their poultry processing plant here. Greg really has just done a fantastic job for Nebraska and he will do a fantastic job for the country as uh, the next undersecretary in the USDA. You mentioned livestock a handful of times within your last statement, talking about how that's been an important factor for Nebraska. Do you see that moving forward, uh, the contract growing, things like Costco being a, a growing area for Nebraskans to get involved with? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole key for us to grow our economy, especially on agriculture, is, is value-added agriculture. And livestock represents the best opportunity for that. And so when you can have companies like Costco, for example, create their poultry processing plant here, and then have 120 farmers be able to put up barns to be able to supply that, that adds a, a stream of revenue that they can diversify their income with. It helps bring in younger people who can help take over those responsibilities, adds equity. I mean, it just really is a great deal. And that's really what Greg was all about promoting. And you were asked this a little bit ago, but talking about the future of the next director of agriculture, do you plan to name an interim in the meantime and, and talk about that process as you look to the next leader? Well, we've had a number of people who have expressed an interest in it, and we certainly wanted to make sure Greg got confirmed. With uh, In this day and age of the Senate uh, really slowing up confirmations, we had no idea what the time would be. But now that we've made it all official, we, we'll be uh, talking to some of the folks, and I'm sure we'll be able to find somebody. It's big shoes to fill, but I'm sure we'll get somebody to uh, take over for Greg here shortly. you plan to announce an interim in that process or just look for the next one? We're just going to go ahead and look for the next person. I mean, we've got a great team there. Uh, I'm sure they're all pulled together to keep the uh, you know trains running on time at the Department of Agriculture. And like I said, we've had a number of people express an interest, so we'll be able to move uh, you know relatively quickly on this. And quickly, just to wrap up, uh, talk about the characteristics you look for. You mentioned to me you want somebody who has an agriculture background and someone from Nebraska. What else do you look for? Well, those are two key things. I mean, we want somebody who knows the state. I mean, agriculture is our number one industry here, and we want somebody who understands how that works to be able to help grow it. So we're going to be looking for somebody who has that background here in Nebraska, who's got a background in agriculture, uh, somebody who you know can, can be a good team player because it's not just the Department of Agriculture. When we're talking about getting opportunities like Costco, it means working with our other agencies and developing that great working relationship. So that would be another important thing that we have a team player on board. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, just it's a great day today. It's great to have a Nebraskan in there, the USDA. Agriculture is the heart and soul of what we do here in our state. And by having a Nebraska and the USDA, that really makes sure our voice will be heard within this administration. That was Nebraska's Governor Pete Ricketts discussing Greg Ibos, sworn in today as Undersecretary at the USDA. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. Well, I think it's kind of a surprise to some that uh, we traded in a, what, a two-and-a-half-cent range in December corn, but we didn't touch 350 today. Yeah, painfully slow to start the week again. I think maybe we could see some covering here as the month of October ends, but 
not too optimistic given the uh, the ex in export inspections that are just you know kind of dragging along here. We've exported now on the shipment side. 45% um, less than we did a year ago at this point, and a lot of that's due to South American competition, so uh, I don't expect to see some big rally um, unless we have, I don't know, a change in in, uh, in the dollar, and the dollar did break today. That might have been something that's a little bit helpful. I think, don't think you can get too bearish corn on that factor alone, but very difficult to, uh, to kind of sit here and watch the markets in the corn side. I feel bad for everybody who wants to once a price rally and seeing it in other markets like cattle or, or some of the other outside markets, we're just not seeing it in the row crops. All right. You look at soybeans now, too. We did trade higher for a while. Yeah. I mean, beans, again, I, I think that's the rosy side of it. But uh, there's some in anticipation here as we get to the end of the year that Argentina, their taxes, their export taxes are going to drop, and uh, they're going to start moving a lot more products. So competition looks steep in there. Our exports are, again, slow relative to a year ago. They're good. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're basing everything off a year ago, you could be a little bit jaded as far as how you see things. But, um, you know, that rally we saw a year ago that took us from 330 up to, you know, 370 by the time the front month uh, went off the board in March. Uh, I'm not optimistic that we're going to see a whole lot of that price action unless we see some sort of macro change. Uh, yes, there's a lot of short folks in the, on, the, on the board on the spec side. There are quite a few longs that have come in the last couple of weeks. I think you're trying, you're seeing farmers reown this, uh, and then we are also very flat on the commercial side, which tells me a lot of producers still unpriced. So I, I think we're kind of stuck here between a rock and a hard place. Uh, the rock being on the downside with demand that should come in on breaks, and then the upside being uh, farmers who are going to sell it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't we reach contract lows in some wheat contracts today? Uh, we did. December, I think, traded back down, and it did bounce a little bit above uh, above the low into the close. But, uh, you know, wheat, again, kind of similar to corn. Big short position, but also a pretty decent long position on the on the spec side. I expect that to maybe dump out here in the next month. I'm debating, you know, whether to tell folks to, to just move the corn now and, and just try to reown the march closer to 350. That seems to be more of a strategy I think I can digest at this point. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Place to go, danielsagmarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting.